0: Good morning, everyone, my friends, and I'm speaking to those who are watching uh, from home because no one's permitted in here. My friends, uh, uh, one of the uh, things about John's gospel is full of details, and um, this gospel is read every year, every year on the second Sunday of um, Easter, also known as Divine Mercy Sunday. My friends, of course, as you know, my, as, me as your pastor, you know, uh, one of the first things I thought of is where was Jesus? Uh, he came on one Sunday. And then he came back another, but it doesn't tell us where he was at. Was he? What was he doing? Where was he at? What was going on? Uh, but my friends, um, also on this Sunday, uh, I want to um, in perfectly remember our brothers and sisters in the Orthodox faith. Uh, they follow a different calendar, and they celebrate with great joy um, Easter today. Uh, so we keep them in prayer as we are united Uh, in our faith in Jesus Christ and in our sacraments and uh, my friends um, I also want to remember in this time all those um, uh, who are persecuted for being Christians throughout the world and I do not forget that we're in the midst of a pandemic uh, but that does not remove these other types of things that happen and that um, Christians throughout the world when they come together, come under attack. Um, so we remember them um, because we, it opens with our gospel where uh, the disciples, out of fear, were behind locked doors. And uh, uh, we can relate a little bit um, with the pandemic for sure. But we offer our prayers and for everyone uh, who uh, have fear of any type, and uh, especially those who are persecuted for being disciples of Jesus Christ. One of the things to look at are the very wounds of Jesus. They become very important. And the wounds of Jesus, they help the apostles to understand uh, that one, that was Jesus. But they also help the apostles understand that uh, the suffering and resurrection of which Jesus spoke to them earlier was not a metaphor. Uh, It was a reality. The disciples that had accompanied their master from the beginning of his mission and after the events of Good Friday fell into confusion and even despair when faced with the brutality and the absurdity of the type of suffering that uh, the Messiah had to go through. And you can only imagine one of their questions, what kind of Savior would this be if he is killed? And um, suddenly the words and the teachings of Jesus seem incomprehensible to them. Confronted with suffering, uh, we too often resort to the same type of behavior and notions. Um, it, it is meaningless. It is an error, uh, meaning suffering, and uh, it, uh, we don't understand, and uh, we don't understand why this is happening. And uh, uh, faith wavers for some. And if God is merciful, how could He allow this to happen? And uh, and uh, is this a this is a typical human response? In the face of suffering. And, and Jesus shows his wounds to us as he did to those very first apostles and disciples uh, to help them to understand that the cross is not a mistake in his teaching. He spoke about it often. Rather, the cross becomes essential and a key. It unlocks the fullness of God the Father's plan. And if we were to toss this key aside, if you will, Uh, if we refuse to accept it and its meaning uh, in our lives, uh, everything remains incomprehensible because it is in the experience of suffering um, that we are unable to really comprehend. We don't think the right way sometimes. Without seeing the transformed wounds in the body of Jesus, suffering always remains unjustifyingly pointless. Perhaps Thomas was overwhelmed in his mourning Um, when he said to the other apostles, I will not believe. However, after a week, he is in the upper room with his brother apostles. And uh, perhaps the same force that moves Peter to run to the tomb, even though he thought that the testimony of the women was nonsense. Remember, that's not my words. That's what scripture said, um, that Peter said this. Um, Perhaps that same force keeps Thomas with the other apostles in the upper room, also. A compulsion, if you will. That power is the grace of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, which is at work in his church always. Thomas, although he is very upset, even angry, and even combative in the face of suffering of his friend Jesus, even though he declared that he would not believe, he is at least not indifferent. And... um, He does not try to escape into empty, worthless pleasures in order to forget those things that seem beyond his understanding, things that are incomprehensible to him. Faced with this incomprehensibility, he presents God with conditions, but in doing so, he does not abandon talking with God. If Christ is the Savior... This I'm thinking how Thomas is. Perhaps if Christ is a the savior, then let him show me his wounds and let me touch them. Thomas remains with the other apostles, even in his anger and confusion. Perhaps I would put forth what offended uh, Thomas the most. Maybe um, what likely uh, caused him so much suffering uh, was not only um, to be healed. It would be. be touching the master's wounds, uh, he felt could heal him. Uh, But remember uh, that it was Thomas who had said earlier um, to the other apostles, and I quote, Let us go to die with him, meaning Jesus, on the road to Jerusalem. Why then did Jesus' death sow the seed of unbelief in Thomas' heart, even though he himself had determined to die together with Jesus? Thomas's determination to go to Jerusalem was like that of a fellow soldier in arms, if you will. Having the determination not so much to die, as much maybe to die fighting. And these are different things. The question that Thomas is unable to answer is not the death of Jesus, but the way Jesus died. He did not understand the cross that Jesus took humbly. Thomas was correct when during the Last Supper he said to Jesus, Master, we do not know where you are going and we do not know the way. Thomas really did not know the way. Thomas did not know the purpose fulfilling the Father's will, nor did Thomas understand the cross, but neither did his brother apostles really. Thomas is the one who actually verbalized it. He did not understand that on Good Friday, Jesus fought the good fight and fought it to the end. And that he fought the only way possible to defeat the enemy by trusting completely in the Father's will and in the Father's love up to the very end. What ultimately separated God from man or humanity was humanity's doubt of God's love. Adam doubted that God's instruction was given in absolute love for him. And that's why he decided to act contrary to it. Thus, what reconciled God with humanity was a perfect trust to the end. In the darkest hours, seemingly totally abandoned while dying on the cross, the scriptures tell us Jesus says, Father, Into your hands I commend my spirit. In this way he defeats Satan and takes away the seemingly victory that Satan seems to have that he thought he achieved in the Garden of Eden when he tricked humanity. So the question is, do we fully comprehend the great gift given to us? That gift is the same weapon that Jesus used on the cross to f- defeat Satan. That unwavering trust in God's love. When we hear the story of Thomas, we should know that the same Jesus who came to heal Thomas's unbelief in the upper room. Thomas, look at my wounds and know the mystery of the cross. We can almost imagine being heard. I will give you peace. Not as the world gives it. The peace of the world is to deny the cross and to reject suffering. But we can imagine Jesus saying, My peace is to accept the cross and to completely trust in my Father's plan, his plan of mercy, his plan of love. I restored the debt of trust. We imagine Jesus saying, for he has reconciled humanity with his Father. What a great mystery is this reconciliation. My friends, when we think about it, when we contemplate this, you really need to get this. The wound of every sin that has ever been committed, that we have ever committed, has been crucified in the body of Jesus on the cross, and he has forgiven us then for every wound we ever afflicted. At that moment, when the nails were pierced into the hands of Jesus, Jesus already knew that Thomas' finger would be placed into it to heal his unbelief. And Jesus quietly accepted this. And therefore, there is no sin now that is not forgiven to anyone who confesses it and is determined to repent. The accuser does not have anyone to accuse anymore because the one Jesus who was injured by it all has forgiven all. And Jesus gives his power of forgiveness to reconcile to his church. As the father gave it to his son, so Jesus gives it to his church. And I think of all the many saints of our church, the ones who have put forth, that they have had lucretians as we call them, they have spoken with Christ himself, as a matter of fact, um, St. Faustina, uh, all the saints, though, who have spoke with Christ and could see him in ways that we could not, and even with such a great privilege, they still go to the priest to confess their sins. Because they know that the priest has been entrusted with the power to forgive sins in Jesus' name. Thomas, although not in the upper room that first Sunday, stayed with a group of apostles and was rewarded for it. He says one of the most incredible things in John's gospel, my Lord and my God. How he got there, (laughs) we can talk about that. But he saw Jesus' wounds, believed not only in his resurrection, but believed in our Lord's great mercy and love. Because then he understood what those wounds represented. He understood the wounds to open the very mystery of God himself uh, to all of us. My friends, like I said, um, how Thomas gets there is uh, is a bit of a challenge,, huh? uh, because his brothers had told him, "We have seen Jesus, and uh, uh, he refuses to accept their testimony. And this is going to be a problem, um, because what Thomas is asking for is first-hand experience. He's demanding to see with his own eyes and to touch Jesus's wounds with his own hands. When Jesus comes the second time, he's a little bit stern with Thomas. Out of love. Why was he stern with him? Because Thomas was setting the worst possible example when we think about it. Because Jesus would soon ascend to his Father. Um, And with this ascension to come, people were no longer going to be able to experience the very risen body of Jesus directly, as the apostles were. And many, 500 actually, is what uh, we're told. So what was going to happen if they are to believe and if his church was to continue and his mission to be accomplished, people would have to believe simply on the testimony of others. And this became the problem Thomas himself would not. And yet, Jesus already knew when he ascended to the Father embodied. body. This was going to be required of all the disciples. So Jesus tells Thomas, you have believed because you have seen. But there is a better way. A higher way. And Jesus continues with a beatitude. And it's the only beatitude that John includes in his gospel. Jesus says, bless it are they who have not seen and have believed. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.